Welcome to Ecoing Pro Tips. I'm Stephanie, and today we are going to talk about owning your own boarding facility. It's a question that I get a lot of times, and there's a lot of people that want to own a boarding facility because they think that it's going to be lucrative or to save them some money on their own horse expenses. So I'm going to dive into it. I'm going to try and keep this as short as I possibly can, but there's always so much information that comes along with this. So without further ado, let's get into it. When I started my boarding facility, I had no clue what I was doing. So I was on the other end. I had boarded my horses. I also had my horses at home. But the thing that actually made me really want to start a boarding facility was the last place that I had boarded my horses. I just did not feel like they were getting the adequate care that I felt they should be getting, especially for the amount that I was paying. There was also a couple of other things that kind of made it difficult for me to continue boarding my horse. I ended up purchasing a stallion and he, if you know, if you've been around horses for a long time, it's really difficult to find a facility that is willing to board a stallion. Stallions can be a giant pain in the neck. So it pushed me to try and find a facility to lease, which in upstate New York, there isn't a whole heck of a lot of them. And I just happened to stumble across one that they had retired a long time ago and they had leased it out to a rescue. And then the rescue ended up purchasing a property in a different area. So this facility essentially had been just sitting there. So I had asked them if they were willing to allow me to lease the facility. So that comes into my first point, which is you don't have to purchase a facility that's already up or purchase land and build. You can go out there and try and find one that someone's willing to lease to you. I do have to say there are some cons to leasing somebody else's facility. It's going to cost you a little bit more money. And you also have to maintain that facility. So when fences get broken, you have to fix them. Anything comes up amiss, you have to fix it. So that's money out of your pocket that you're never getting back. When you're leasing somebody else's facility, they can also put restrictions saying you're only allowed to board X amount of horses, you can't bring in a trainer, or you can't train horses, you can't do lessons. So it really depends on who you're actually leasing the facility from. So you like if you do decide to do that, then you should probably sit down and talk to the owner and see what you would be allowed to do and what you wouldn't be allowed to do to see if it's a good fit for you. Okay, moving on to the cost portion. So a lot of people think that when you have a boarding facility, you make all of this money. And I'm not saying that a boarding facility can't be lucrative, but you better be good with money if that's the case. You, you're going to need to find deals and all sorts of things. Most people who have never owned a business or a facility in general, they're not going to know all the tiny little expenses that really go along with it. So like I was saying, fixing the property, that always costs a lot of money, just keeping it maintained. And a lot of the facilities, especially ones that you'll 
potentially lease, they're probably not a hundred percent perfect. Most barns aren't, but anyway, a few of these costs can be insurance. Insurance is so huge. You need insurance and there's all different kinds. You'd have to research that and I can do an entire podcast on what type of horse insurance you should have um, because it's different. You can have insurance specifically on your horse and you can have insurance specifically on the property itself. There are insurances that just do equine related facilities. So those are the ones to actually look for. But then you're also looking at water if you're not on a well, electricity, hay costs, if you feed grain, grain costs, bedding costs. There's also costs if you decide you want to have somebody feed in the morning, clean stalls, turn out, all of those types of things. So those things are what you really need to look at and be like, okay, how much is all of this going to cost me? And then you can kind of gauge how much you want to charge for board The other thing is, is you have to be competitive in the market that you're in, because if you're charging too much and you don't have as many amenities as maybe somebody else who's charging a little less, you're going to be in competition with that person or that facility itself. In other words, you need to do a little research in your area to figure out what people are charging, what amenities they have, and then you can gauge where you should sit in the mix. And the thing is, with all of this, is you have to figure out how much your time is worth. There was a point when I was making maybe $2 a horse for an entire month. And I had 30 horses. So if you can do the math, that's not a lot of money. And a lot of that was because I didn't want to spend money on having somebody else help me with the horses, like cleaning stalls, feeding, and all of that kind of stuff. In reality, I should have been doing that because had I, had I spent a little bit more money and with the additional help, I could have put my time more usefully trying to find more money to come in. So with lessons or training or something of that nature. One of the biggest things that I always lived by when I did have my boarding facility was quality over quantity. I wanted to make sure that I gave the best care to the horses because that was the reason why I started it to begin with. I never skimped on hay. I never skimped on shavings. I never skimped on like not washing buckets. So I spent a lot, a lot of time at the facility and I wasn't getting paid for it. So keep that in mind. The whole idea is to try and keep it quality, but where you're also not killing yourself just to make ends meet. So you have to find that happy medium. You have to have a really good business. And so all of the things that I'm talking about is when I first, first started it. I figured out how to make everything work at, like with trial and error as I went along through the years. Which leads me to the next tip. Do not sell yourself short. Pay yourself what you're worth. In the beginning, it's probably going to be a little bit difficult doing that because you're going to be starting the business and what have you, but you need to get to a point where you need to know your worth. 
the reason why I say that is because you can get fatigued from all the effort you're putting in and it just kind of creates a cycle of like, I don't know why I'm doing this. Like, this is so hard. All of the things. It's very, very important to have boundaries. You need those boundaries with your personal time and your business. I worked straight for two full years. I had not one day off and I can say there's probably very few people who can say they literally worked two years straight and I'm not joking when I say that. I had no help other than my younger son. He would help me or my husband would help with like fixing fences and that kind of stuff. But overall, I did not take one day off for two full years and that's not healthy. (laughs) My suggestion would be to start out small and gradually work your way up because I jumped right in with both feet full facility all the things when I just started out and (laughs) if I could go back I would do it a little differently and this is why I'm telling you this is because I don't want you to make the same mistakes that I did start gradually do only like two or three horses, and then slowly work your way up. But if you want that to be your full-time job, then you're going to have to do a little bit more research and try and get some really good business sense on how to make it work, how to make it lucrative. I will also do another podcast about that. But if you like this type of series where I'm talking about owning a boarding facility and all the things that go along with it, please let me know because I would love to keep doing these. I love giving information out, especially information that I have learned over the years to help you not make the same mistakes that I've made. So let me know. You can follow me on Instagram at Steffi Baker, Steffi with an IE, or you can also follow this podcast so you know exactly when I upload a new podcast. And yeah, I'm so glad you're here.